I find that an all or nothing mentality is a hindrance for me. It's better to do a little than to do nothing. Welcome to Smart Habits for Translators, a podcast for translators by translators, bringing you simple strategies to build better habits. In each episode, we'll focus on specific habits for translators in various stages of their careers. If you're a translator who enjoys learning about habits to improve your business and lifestyle, then this is the podcast for you. We're your hosts, Madalena Sanchez-Zampalo and Veronica Demichelis. Like you, we are professional freelance translators trying to balance the challenges that come with building a career and maintaining clarity and boundaries between work and personal life. We hope you'll join us in this conversation about smart habits and discover some simple strategies you can apply today to help you build your career and achieve the lifestyle you desire. Welcome to Smart Habits for Translators. This is episode 65. In today's episode, we are joined by a colleague who is an expert on tools and technology for translators and interpreters. She is one of the organizers of the popular Innovation in Translation and Innovation in Interpreting Summits, and she is very active in our profession. We always enjoy following her work, and we are just in awe of how much she handles um, and how she does all her projects and responsibilities. We know she has a lot to share on the topic of smart habits, so we are excited that she agreed to join us today. Um, so welcome, uh, Nora Diaz, to the podcast. Uh, Nora is a Mexican conference interpreter and translator who enjoys working for clients from around the world on a wide variety of topics, including healthcare, marketing, technical, and general texts, and leading teams of linguists, including translators, editors, and proofreaders from Mexico, South America, and Spain, working together on large projects. Her interest in productivity has led to a constant exploration of technology to boost productivity, such as cat tools, speech recognition, computer automation, and custom macros. In her blog, Nora Diaz on translation, teaching, and other stuff, she shares what she has learned with translators and interpreters from around the globe. Welcome to Smart Habits for Translators, Nora. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Hello, Veronica, and hello, Madalena. Thanks, Nora. Yeah, we're super excited that you decided to join us. And for everybody listening, you may remember that we mentioned Nora in a previous episode when a listener shared how much she enjoys using Phrase Express after reading Nora's article on productivity with text expansion. So we'll be sure to link to that article again in our show notes. Okay, so let's dive in. Um, first, we'd like to know a little more about you. Could you tell us about your business, your business, what services you offer, when and how you started your career in translation and, and how it's evolved over time? Yes, of course. Well, um, I should probably start by saying that I decided that I wanted to be a translator and an interpreter when I was in high school. Um, there was a big obstacle for me to do that uh, in that I didn't know any other languages except Spanish. And so I decided to start learning English right away to be able to do that. And then I went to um, get a degree in um, at, the, at my state university, which mm -hmm. was on um, teaching and uh, translation and interpreting. So that's how I got started. I was very lucky to have the opportunity to start while I was still a student and then as soon as I finished um, school, I knew that this, this was definitely what I wanted to do. And so I started um, working on finding 
translation and interpreting work. Mm -hmm. And I have been doing that ever since. I also did, of course, language teaching and uh, teacher trainer. I was a teacher trainer for many years, but now I do only translation and interpreting. And so right now I do the services that I offer are um, just your basic linguist services, translation, editing, proofreading, interpretation. I do training for translators just because I enjoy sharing the things that I have learned, mm -hmm. things that have made my business um, better or my life easier in general. And I also offer, you know, the a, a range of services on a smaller scale like transcription, subtitling. I'm not a big fan of subtitling work. Um, DTP, QA checks. So everything that is um, generally needed mm -hmm. in our industry. Wow. Yeah. And I, I have a similar background with the training and teaching side. So it kind of makes sense now that I think about the, the different webinars and such that you offer that you have the teaching background. And I think that's why maybe it's so effective when people watch your, your, your training. So thanks for sharing those with us. And, you know, so happy to hear that we have a similar background and mm -hmm. I love teaching. And in fact, mm -hmm. Maybe if um, teaching were a more profitable profession, right. <laughs> I would be doing that full time. Yeah. But um, but I I enjoy combining teaching mm -hmm. and um, translation and interpreting. Very nice, yeah. And Veronica also teaches at her local um, community college, so we we do have that in common here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Nora, as you probably know, we talk a lot about smart habits on our podcast, and we consider smart habits to be those things that can help you. In your work and in everyday life. So uh, what are some smart habits that have been crucial for you in your career? Well, um, let me first say that I love the name of your podcast, uh, this idea of smart habits. It's just not habits, but mm -hmm. smart habits. And very early on in my career, when I, um, one of my, of my clients, my early interpreting clients uh, used to teach, um, workshops on the seven habits of highly effective people mm -hmm. by Stephen Covey. Yeah. And then, um, so I was the interpreter at that when I was very young and, um, that had a big impact on me. Wow. So the seven habits of highly effective people are something. And for, for those listeners who may not be familiar with the work of Stephen Covey, um, I think, could I list the seven sure. habits really quickly? Yeah. So the seven habits are, habit one is be proactive. Habit two is begin with the end of in mind. Uh, habit three is put first things first. Habit four is um, think win-win. Habit five is seek first to understand and then to be understood. Habit six is synergize. And habit seven is sharpen the saw. And so um, that had a big impact on me. I attended so many of these courses on these habits, and I read the book, of course. I was the interpreter. And then um, the, the highlight of, of that was that I got to interpret for Stephen Covey himself wow. um, some years after that. And so these are the seven habits that I always, always go back to. Then um, I... When I was thinking about this, I, I also remembered another client of mine who um, had a big impact in my life. He is a sales trainer, and ho so he would teach um, car salespeople how to develop good habits in order to be better salespeople, better at sales. Mm. And so, you know, he would always emphasize um, this idea of being grateful. So having an attitude of gratitude and, mm. of course, going the extra mile. And those are two things that I have also added um, that I learned from him, from interpreting for him many, many weeks 
And um, I, I have found that these in combination with the seven habits have been very helpful for me. Wow. I love that. It reminds me too of the phrase, uh, what you appreciate appreciates. Mm, I love that. So yeah, very interesting. Thanks for sharing that. That is so cool. Well, I guess you already answered my next question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. You do so much and it's incredibly um, exciting and interesting to to watch what you share uh, with other colleagues in our field. But how do you manage all the projects, tasks, and activities on your plate? Do you have any systems, processes, or habits in place that help you stay organized? Well, you know, I wish I could say I have a perfect system and everything is always under perfect control, but that's not the case. Um, my uh, organization system consists of several things. For my translation business, of course, I use a business manager software. I use Stratos Business Manager. Um, this used to be called BAX. So for those who, uh, it, I think BAX is the um, abbreviation of business accounting system, something like that. And it was developed especially for translators and interpreters. And so I love that for the business side of things. I keep track of my projects. Um, I am looking forward to using Asana a lot more, Veronica, <laughs> um, following your initiative, your lead. And so I am really looking forward to, to learning how to use Asana and use it more. But for the time being, I keep my... Um, track of things that I have to do on OneNote. I just keep a simple to-do list. And the reason I use OneNote is because I like to keep everything um, synchronized across devices. And so it's very easy for me to just jot something down really quickly on my, um, my tablet and then see it uh, pop up on my computer screen or even on my phone. And so that's um, something that is key for me. And maybe not so much today that we are sort of still confined to one location, but um, as an interpreter, when you have to be traveling, you need to make sure that you have access to all of your resources wherever you are. So that's why syncing is key for me. I also use Google Tasks. Um, you know, I tend to, uh, when I have a lot of emails coming in, um, I will see something and say, oh, I'll take care of that later. And unless I do something to market or something, I can forget about it and then remember the next day or maybe not remember at all. So I like, I use Gmail. And as soon as I see something that is, um, that I need to remember, I just click add to tasks and then it goes on my list of tasks to do. And so that, I find that very helpful. And for example, uh, for remote interpreting, you have to keep track of all your reference materials and um, all the links that come in for test sessions and for the actual event. And so that can be hard to, to keep track of. And I find that with Google Tasks, it's really easy because you just click on it and then you just, you'll find the link right there when you need it. And of course, I use my, my calendar where I set reminders all the time. And I have a simple notebook, just a regular paper notebook that is in front of me. And, and um, as much as I like technology, sometimes it's just easier to write something down and, and have it right in front of you without having to turn on um, a device or having to go and look for something. So I also keep notes on there. And I'll take pictures of my notes and add it to my OneNote when I have to go away from my desk. And of course, something that really helps um, keep things going is having a support network. I think that should uh, be said. 
um, having people around you, and I'm not talking about people who help you with your work, but just your family and someone who helps you take care of the little tasks that really take a lot of time and you don't really want to be doing. Um, I'm talking about housework. <laughs> uh, that's very important. So my the, the lady who helps me with my housework, I consider her a very important part of my business because when she's not here and I have to take care of all those little things, um, then it's it's chaos. And um, you know, I once had the opportunity, and this you're going to start seeing a theme here. I interpreted for. Um, Dr. John Demartini, I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but he is um, someone who talks a lot about setting goals and achieving goals. And I loved something that he said. He said that he decided very early or a few years before I met him that he was not going to drive anymore. He was going to delegate driving to someone else because he felt that driving uh, took a lot of his time and he wanted to use that time to read, to write, to plan And so from then on, he sold his car and he decided that he was going to have people drive him wherever he wanted to go. <laughs> so, of course, I, I, don't, I don't have a chauffeur or a driver or anything, but I always remember that principle whenever I find myself having to do little tasks that I don't want to be doing. Mm. Could someone else do this for me? And, of course, could, not necessarily as a favor, but and I consider that part of my... Um, of what keeps my business going. I like that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, that is awesome. Um, well, we talked about you teaching, um, you know, and sharing your expertise and, and skills with colleagues in our field. But in order to teach, you have to um, to get that expertise and, and learn first. So you must be learning a lot and, and just growing your, your skills in various areas. And all the translators and interpreters know that it's very important to continue learning and growing professionally, but it can be so hard to find free time, quote unquote, free time to do that. Um, do you have any tips on finding balance between paid work and professional development? Well, um, again, I wish I, I had the uh, perfect answer, but I agree. It's so difficult to find free time, especially when your business is thriving, when you're very busy um, and when you want to be taking as many projects as possible. But I think uh, professional development is key. And um, remember when we were talking about the, um, the habits, the seven habits of highly effective people, habit seven, which is sharpening the saw, is very important. And that means um, the, I, I love the metaphor that in, uh, for a knife to be effective or for a saw to be effective, you have to keep it sharp. Mm. And so that's the that's the whole idea behind professional development. And I think when, when you're a freelancer, it's very difficult. Um, I mean, there isn't anyone pushing you to do things. It's not like when you work for a company where uh, human resources will schedule training for you. Yeah. So you have to do it. You have to sharpen the saw yourself. And I believe it's a matter of prioritizing. And of course, you need different things at different stages in your um, career. And so, for example, when I needed to learn how to use a CAT tool, I decided that I was going to learn absolutely everything that I needed to learn about a CAT tool. And I was going, and I, it was very clear to me that I would have to dedicate time to do that. But once it was done, it would be done. And I wouldn't have to be keep going back to that. And so I always try to keep that in mind. Um, it may 
I may need to wake up earlier than usual while I'm learning this, or I may need to stay longer at my desk while I'm learning this, but it's not going to happen forever. So once I'm done with that, it will be done and I will have it. And so, for example, I decided a few years ago that I wanted to learn. Um, I, I, I have no technical training. I, I have a training in the arts, right, in languages. And, but I, I had always been fascinated by people who could um, write code and write regular expressions and then later uh, how to use things like AutoHotKey. And so one day I decided I'm going to learn how to do these things. And so that means after you make a decision, that means you have to make a plan. And my plan was I'm going to wake up earlier than usual and work weekends if I have to, but I'm going to do this for three months. And then for three months, I, I studied as much as I could about regex, regular expressions. And I did the same when the time came to learn AutoHotKey, which was a couple of years later. And what happens is that I develop almost an obsession. When I decide that I want to learn something, it's almost like an obsession. In the morning when I wake up, I want to um, go and learn more about it. And then um, during the day, I'm thinking about the applications and things that I can do. But um, it's also true that I can't use all of my time um, to learn and to study. I still have to work. <laughs> so... Uh, and exactly. Yeah. And so in order to make sure that that doesn't, that one thing doesn't, um, you know, overtake the other, I set goals for my learning periods, my minimum um, income goals. And so if I, it's like a prize, right? Like a little reward. Mm -hmm. I need to make sure that I am I'm hitting my goals for my income because, of course, my family depends on my work. And so it's not like, oh, my mom is learning so many great things and we don't even have any money to do anything. <laughs> so uh, so I want to make absolutely sure that I hit my goals and it's like a reward. And in a way, in a way if I hit my income goals for my learning period earlier in the month, for example, um, then that means that I will have more time to study that month. And then when I'm done with my study period, let's say with my three-month learning period, then I can go back to working um, a lot and taking on a lot more projects. So, um, and I, what I have liked about the past few years is just the access that we have had to so many things and so many great learning opportunities. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yes, uh, going to conferences is wonderful. And But I find that it, when you go to a conference, you really have no control over what you're going to learn in a way. Of course, you can select the talks that you want to go to. But I think you have to be more intentional about what you're going to be learning during the year when, I mean, uh, in between conferences, for example. So mm -hmm. what is it that I need to learn? Be very intentional about that. What is going to make me better? And so for me, it was, like I said, learning how to use um, a CAT tool and learning absolutely everything that there was to be learned about that CAT tool. And then um, learning things that would make me more effective, like regular expressions, auto hotkey. And right now I'm about to start um, some Spanish. Um, I'm a Spanish speaker. I'm a native Spanish speaker. But I want to learn um, more about, um, you know, just in general, grammar rules and things like that. So I'm going to start working on that next. Wow. I think that's so cool. And I think when you said it's like a reward, I think that's one of the healthiest rewards I've ever heard of. So 
Um, very cool that you do that. And, and I think it's also a, a smart way to learn things when you don't have, like you said, the technical training, or maybe even if, you know, for somebody listening who doesn't have the ability or the income or the access to a specific, like, you know, college course, or I don't know, some, some place where you might have to go, the, you know, you can actually take things into your own hands and, and, and be proactive. And like you said, get up earlier and start learning and, and making sure that you use that sort of as a reward for getting the work done that you need to do in a, you know, on a given day. And, you know, I think we have to stay away from the all or nothing mentality. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, if you want to, if you're not a CAD tool user and you want to start using a CAD tool, it's not like, oh, I can't do it because it, that would mean, I don't know, 30 hours of my time to learn how to use the CAD tool properly. So I'll just keep putting it off for another mm -hmm. year. No, no, no. You could um, get started and, you know, take the first step and do what you can and then add to that uh, when the time is right. But um, I, I find that an all or nothing mentality is a hindrance for me. It's better to do a little than to do nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Even if all you have is 10 minutes, it's still something more than what you've done before. That's great. Right. Um, so switching gears just a little bit, uh, Nora, you're one of the organizers of the Innovation in Interpreting and Innovation in Translation Summits. So how do you accomplish such a big task while working full-time and being a parent? And what would you recommend to our colleagues who want to either launch a course or make another big idea happen, but they, they feel overwhelmed and don't know where to start? Well, first of all, a lot of the credit for what happened at both the Innovation and Interpreting Summit and the Innovation and Translation Summit uh, goes to my co-organizers, especially Josh Goldsmith, mm -hmm. who is a genius multitasker, <laughs> and to Yosechi. And um, I have to say that one of the things that I enjoyed the most about working with them and organizing the summits is everything I learned from them. Mm. And one thing that I learned is that you have to be persistent. You know, it's every big task that you have to do, whatever it is, it happens one step at a time. Nothing happens overnight. It's one task at a time, mm -hmm. one step at a time. So it's like you're chipping away at whatever it is that you have to do. But, um, you know, as, as both of you will know, organizing a big conference takes a long time, <laughs> a lot of time and many hours in the day, and you still have to keep working. Uh, because mm -hmm. of the same reason that I explained earlier, right? It's not like um, if if we had inherited a great fortune, then we could say, well, I'll just do it for the fun of it. <laughs> but uh, you you still have to work. Mm -hmm. And so it's a matter of uh, prioritizing. And of course, during periods like this, and uh, I go back to what I was saying earlier, it's in my mind, it's okay, this is going to take three or four months of my time. And that's how long it's going to take. And so I feel that um, talking about the parenting angle, as a parent, well, my children are grown. My children are 22 and 24, so they don't really need a lot of attention now, <laughs> or not the kind of attention they needed when they were little. But um, still, clear communication with your family and your support system is essential. Letting them know that you are going to undertake this big task and that you may not be as available for some things and uh, you may be, you know, for me, it means sometimes uh, having my computer at the dinner table or, yes, going out, but I will be checking my messages all the time and things like that. Mm -hmm. And my family is very understanding about that. Um, and so I think letting them know that I'm going to be busy during this time or busier than usual 
but it's not going to last forever. And so they're understanding about that. Mm -hmm. um, I think the main obstacle for doing something like this is thinking that there is no way you can do it. I think that's that's a problem, right? For Because whenever you have a project, that something that you would like to do, like you said, you would like to start a course or you would like to put together a webinar or you have another big idea that you would like um, to do. I think that the, um, the main um, hindrance is your own mind telling you, no, 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 that's too much. There's yeah. no way you're going to be able to do it. Yeah. But I, but I really like the quote by Henry Ford that says, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's always when there is a big challenge um, and when I start doubting myself, as we all do, I always tell myself, well, just look around you. There are a lot of people doing this already. Why shouldn't you be able to do it? Exactly. And so... I think attitude determines um, determines that. And I think th that uh, self-doubt and that imposter syndrome is what keeps us from even trying sometimes. Yes. So I think just take the first step, you know, um, tell someone if you're planning to teach a, a course or give a webinar uh, or you would like to do that, just tell someone so that there is some accountability built in and then that person will probably ask you so how's your idea going and so you take the first step and then that step takes you to the next one and so on and I really believe I really believe that when you set your mind to something doors start opening and opportunities start uh, appearing out of uh, I mean it, it it's almost like magic it, and it's not it's just that you're more attuned to what you needed to be mm -hmm. um, in order to achieve what you wanted to do. Yeah, I completely agree with that. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. Um, we also really enjoyed the advice that you share at various uh, translation interpreting conferences and in webinars on tools and technology and how they can help us to become more efficient in our work. And I think it's also um, admirable for many of us that, like you said, you're not trained in this area. So you actually really did teach yourself many of these things. Um, which, you know, that's another example for other people that, you know, if, if there is somebody doing it, you can do it too. It's just a matter of, of finding that mm -hmm. path. But uh, do you have any tips for our colleagues on how to stay up to date with technology and pick the best tool for the job? Well, I would just say, first of all, be curious, right? Be curious and um, make technology work for you. So, for example, when whenever I have um, a new program or something to learn, I click on every possible button. I look at all the settings. Mm -hmm. I look through the whole thing. Many things I don't understand, of course, when it's something new. Mm -hmm. But I, um, I hate the idea of, you know, that I have a tool that is um, able to offer me something and I'm just not taking advantage of it just because I don't know about it. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 that makes me uncomfortable. I want to make sure that I explore absolutely everything. And of course, uh, learning about technology, I think, should be part of our professional development. Mm -hmm. And the first thing is just like, like you were saying, and as we were saying, we have to, step, to stop saying, I can't do this. This isn't for me. I'm not a technical person. I don't have any technical training. Because believe me, if I was able to do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> And I mean, nobody even taught me how to use a computer, but there are so many tutorials and so much information out there today that it's perfectly possible to do mm -hmm. it. And going back to the seven habits, I think habit two is key here. Begin with the end in mind. 
I think this is important. What is it that I want to achieve? What do I want the technology to be able to help me do? Mm -hmm. So always look for the benefit for you, right? Because then that gives you the extra motivation you need to go and learn what you need to learn. But I would say research and try several things and then stick with what works for you. For example, for me, I can tell you that I am the kind of learner who likes to read. I don't really enjoy learning from video tutorials. Mm -hmm. And so um, I know that I need to go and find things that are written. Um, and that's how I learn best. But I also know that there are some people who really enjoy watching video tutorials and learning from that. Mm -hmm. So find, find whatever works be best for you and then um, try to stick to that. And um, my, um, my family always laughs at me because I tell them this little anecdote that when uh, Word was new, Microsoft Word was new, one of my clients back then, we didn't have, of course, you had to get the little um, diskette yeah. to install the program <laughs> and everything. And so one of my clients, I was talking to them and they said, oh, I have the manual for Word. And I said, can I borrow it? And I read the manual. I read the whole thing. <laughs> And I can't tell you what a difference it made in my life <laughs> because it's not the same, you know, to just to be fumbling yeah. through the options and the settings and then to have the certainty that the program can do this and there is a feature and I know how to use it. Yes. And so, so read the manual would be my advice. <laughs> if you can get your hands on the manual, read the read manual. Read the manual. Okay. That is so cool. And it's just such an admirable quality, Nora. I love it. Uh, we should all do this more often. Um, but if you could give our listeners your top tips on embracing and leveraging technology in their work, what would they be? Well, I think, um, I think first of all, we have to admit that tools can be overwhelming, especially when there are so many tools that we have to use or that we can use that are available to us. But if we make a decision to learn something, I think we should um, make a decision to learn about it in detail, not just scratch the surface. And so if we do that, we will see it differently, I believe. And so I, I would go back to what I was saying earlier and maybe, um, you know, use the FAB or FAB principle, feature advantage benefit that is so widely used in sales. Uh, of course, technology has features, but... Um, just looking at the features may not be enough to convince us that this could be something helpful for us. So we have to look at the feature, but also look at the advantage that feature gives me and the benefit it gives me. So for example, for a, um, a cat tool, uh, as an example for using a cat or learning how to use a cat tool, the feature could be something like concordance, doing concordance searches. Um, and yes, that's great, but what's the advantage for me? And so the advantage for me as a translator is that it allows me to quickly see what terminology has been used in the past for projects like the one I'm working on. Um, it, it's a reminder, and so it saves me time. And the benefit is that, that it saves me time, it increases my confidence, and it helps me produce better quality work that is more consistent. So I think if we look beyond the feature, then um, to, to uh, figure out the advantage and the benefit, then that will make us embrace technology a lot easier. And like I said, be very curious, click on every tab, every menu, look at the options, read the help, read the manual. 
and consider it part of your professional development. And I think having a deadline for learning these things. Like I said, my my deadline for things that I considered somewhat hard is about three months because I know it's not three months of, um, you know, eight hours a day, but maybe three months of three hours a week. But um, giving yourself a deadline so that when the deadline comes, you can look back and say, well, look, I really learned how to do that. I had set the goal and I now I'm, I've done it. Yeah, that's such a great approach. Thank you. Um, so um, as you know, we talk a lot about work-life clarity on our podcast, um, and we prefer that to the term work-life balance. Uh, we've heard that concept when we first started our podcast on another podcast called The Deliberate Freelancer, and it really resonated with us. Uh, we feel that work-life clarity is extremely important for freelancers and small business owners. So what are your thoughts on this, and how do you try to protect the boundaries between your work and personal life? Well, I heard about work-life clarity on your podcast in a recent episode with Melanie, Melanie Paget Powers, I think yes. is her name. Yeah, yeah, she's um, the host of the Deliberate Freelancer. Oh, yeah, yeah. there you go. And and I really loved it, and I, and it really resonated with me as well, because I've always felt like balance is impossible to achieve, and it leads to a lot of guilt, especially when you're a parent and when you are dedicated to your business. Um, and so for me, what this means, um, this work-life clarity, it means that um, I have embraced that my work and my personal life, my family life are intertwined and there is nothing wrong with that. And that really um, gives me a lot of peace of mind. There was a time when um, I tried to separate things to have even um, you know, um, stronger boundaries by keeping an office that wasn't in my home. So I would go to the office every day and um, work there. And then when I was done, I would come home. But uh, when my children were born, um, I felt like I was missing out by going to an office and leaving my kids behind. And I think that's something that probably a lot of parents struggle with. And so I realized that I was in a position to make a decision about what I wanted my work life to be like. And so I decided that I was going to work from home. And so initially what I did was I just basically uh, got my desk and my computer and installed them in my house. I didn't have um, necessarily a dedicated office space back then. Um, but I was a lot happier because I was, I would see my kids, you know, when they went off to, for example, to kindergarten and when they came home and then when they had to do their homework, they would be sitting. I had a table right next to my desk where they would sit and do their homework and, and we would talk a little about their day and I would keep working. And so that um, made it a lot better for me. Then we, when we decided to build a house that we live in today, um, we made sure that we added two office spaces, one for my husband and one for me. And my only requirement is I need to have a door <laughs> because of course, with, you know, when you have little ones at home and they have friends over, it gets very noisy. Mm -hmm. And my kids learned very early on that they had to respect the time that I was working and that there were times when, yes, they could sit with me and do their work and come and talk to me. But there were other times when I really needed um, to concentrate and focus on what I was doing. And so um, we built our house with offices with doors. And I, my door is open most of the time, but when I need to close it, it's there. And so they know that that 
kind of set some boundaries. And um, I, I, I feel very lucky that uh, I am in a profession that allows me to do that. Um, and I think more about it if now, especially because they are grown and they are no longer um, living at home. And so they remember very fondly all that time that we spent together and, and the fact that I was always there and, and they could always see me, unless, of course, I was traveling on a, an interpreting assignment. But um, I think that really um, made it all worth it for me. And so even though I understand that that's not work-life balance, I believe it's work-life clarity. And mm -hmm. it made me happy and I enjoyed it. And, and it's, it's good, you know, and I never felt guilty. Uh, well, I probably should, should not say that I never felt guilty. <laughs> of course, I did feel guilty sometimes. But I probably felt a lot less guilty than I would have if I had had to work from, um, you know, outside the house. Yeah, that's, mm. I love it. Yeah. And you're so right. This is, this is something that works for you. You did it based on your values, your priority, what makes you feel better. Um, and that's, all, you know, that's what work-life clarity is about. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this was such a great conversation, Nora, and we're really grateful that you joined us uh, today. And before we go, we would love it if you would join us for a special segment. Uh, we like to ask our guests to share something with our listeners about a favorite book, gadget, or resource, and we call this segment Guest Favorites. So we were wondering if there's anything that you'd like to recommend. Um, there is, and it's um, there is a book that I read every year at the beginning of the year. And it's not, mm. it's not a book that is new or groundbreaking, mm. I guess, in a way. But it's a little book that you can read really quickly. And it really helps you, um, you know, find your north in a way. I mean, it really helps you focus on your goals and what you're going to be doing for the year. And mm -hmm. this book was recommended by my client, my interpreting client that I was telling you about earlier, who trains um, car salespeople. And the name of the mm -hmm. book is Write It Down, Make It Happen. Uh, the author is Henriette Ankloser, and I think the book was first published in the early 2000s. But it, mm -hmm. it's an old book, but it's very actionable, and uh, it's one of those things where you say, well, what if I just do what the book says? Which basically what the book says is, if you have a goal, write it down, and it will happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, But not just write it down as a to-do list, but write it down the way you want it to happen. So kind of a written down visualization in a way. And so mm. I can tell you that I've used the advice in this book to achieve goals that, um, all kinds of goals. Uh, for example, like I said, we live in a house that we built for our family. And when, I, when we decided that we wanted to build a house, we didn't even have the land or anything yet. I had just read that book because it was the beginning of the year. And so I wrote down exactly what I wanted my house to be like. And I can tell mm. you today that that's exactly the house I live in. Down to the place where it is located, the kind of, I wanted it to be um, in front of a park, across the street from a park, and that's where we live. And so everything, I, I still have the little piece of paper where I wrote everything down. And I keep it in a, in a drawer in my desk. And so when I'm doing some cleaning, I find it and I read it again. And I am, um, you know, amazed at how um, it, it happened exactly like, um, like I wrote it. And so and even, um, I even used the advice there to sell my house that we lived in before. And so it, 
there are all kinds of goals that I have been able to achieve by writing things down the way it is explained in this book. And so it's, uh, I think it's, it's, um, it goes back to what we were saying earlier. It's not magic or anything like that, but it's just focusing your efforts and your, your mind and your energy on that, uh, which you want to achieve. But, um, mm -hmm. instead of it being just up in the air, you have it, um, written down and you don't even have to be reading it every day, but it does make a difference. So I wanted to share that because I, um, That's something that I like to do every every year in January. I read the mm. book every single year. I love it. That's great. And so it, the other thing that I wanted to say that I've been doing recently more and more, even though I'm not a very, um, like I said, a, an auditory learner, I recognize that there are some times when it's better to listen to things just because you're busy doing other things, for example, when you're driving mm -hmm. or things like that. And so I... Um, Um, I read most of my books recently, um, I've, I read them in Kindle, not in a Kindle device, but in a Kindle app. So I have mm -hmm. Kindle on my phone and on my tablet and my computer. And what I've been doing recently is the books that I really enjoy and that I know I won't have the time to read, um, um, you know, as, as quickly as I would like, I add um, the audio option to my Kindle books. So it turns out that many books on Kindle have narration that you can buy for them. And so you turn them into an audiobook. And so I have just recently bought the audio narration for Write It Down, Make It Happen. So I think mm. the next time I have to read it, quote unquote, I'm going to actually listen to it. Mm. And, so, and, and um, I find that, that that adds a different dimension to, um, to things. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love those. Um, really great. Um, really great recommendations. Thank you so much, Nora. So we'll link them in our show notes. And uh, thanks again for joining us. This was really great. And I know our colleagues and listeners will love hearing from you just as much as we did. Um, yes. And before we go, where can our colleagues learn more about you or find you online? Well, um, thank you for having me, first of all. And you can find me online uh, on Twitter, on LinkedIn and on Facebook. Um, I also have a blog, but um, the blog is not the best uh, place to communicate. But um, if you want to read, you know, whenever I discover something that I find interesting, I sometimes get the itch to write about it and then I'll write a blog post. And so it's called Nora Diaz on translation teaching and other stuff. And um, for For my social media, you, you can just um, do a search for Nora Diaz and you should be able to find me pretty easily. Yeah, you're connected to a lot of people we know, so probably so. But <laughs> yeah. either way, we will um, add those links to our show notes. And thanks for joining us too. Thank you so much for having me. This, this was very exciting for me. And um, congratulations on a wonderful podcast. I really enjoy all of your episodes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And that's it for this episode. Later this week, our email subscribers will get a summary of the episode with all of the links to the resources that we mentioned today. And for our email subscribers, Nora is offering a coupon for the first 10 people who would like to sign up to take her auto hotkey course. So watch for that in your inbox. And if you're not yet receiving our emails, please sign up on our website, smarthabitsfortranslators.com. Also be sure to check out Nora's blog, which we will um, be sure to link in the show notes too. And if you like this episode, please follow our podcast, share it with your colleagues and friends, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. This only takes a minute, and we have recorded a quick video tutorial to show you how to do it. You'll find it in our show notes. Talk to you soon. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered some simple strategies that you can apply today at work or at home to help you achieve the lifestyle you desire. If you did, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a topic you want us to cover, please send us a message at hello at smarthabitsfortranslators.com. If you like this episode, we'd appreciate if you'd leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share the podcast with other translators you know.